welcome to Changing Academic Life. I'm Geraldine Fitzpatrick, and this is a podcast series where academics and others share their stories, provide ideas, and provoke discussions about what we can do individually and collectively to change academic life for the better. Welcome to part one of this conversation with Julie Keynes. Julie is a professor and a department chair of human-centered design and engineering at the University of Washington in the US. We had a long chat, so I've split this conversation into two parts. And in part one here, Julie tells her fascinating story about her journey from a small Midwest Ohio town to discovering the internet and being the geeky outcast, as she says, to then majoring in computer science at a small regional college where she could get a scholarship to attend. And then finding her way via some industry mentorships and some good mentoring at University of Berkeley to doing a PhD at Georgia Tech and then later moving with her partner to a tenure-track position at UW, University of Washington, where she is now. As you'll hear, Julie wasn't born into academic life or privilege and really had to make her own way through all this. And her telling of the story is rich, I think, with reflective insights and nuggets and you know, she points to things like the life-changing value of good mentors, uh, the advice that she'd give to PhD students based on her own lessons learned, the challenges doing a job search as part of an academic couple, and how to survive that first year as a faculty member. And she also goes on later to talk about how she manages parenting and still being very strategic at work. So Julie, thank you very much for joining me. So this was a really spontaneous sit down um, and and we'll just see where we go to. One of the reasons why I did want to talk to you was that you have taken on uh, head, head of department, or do you say yeah, head department of chair? Yeah. Department chair role. So I, you know, I want to get to that eventually because I'm really interested in how that process came about. But do you just want to introduce yourself a bit? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Geraldine. Um, Julie Keens. I'm a professor and department chair of human centered design and engineering at the University of Washington. And a little bit about me. So in terms of my you know, relationship to academia, I grew up in the Midwest in uh, Ohio. Um, my whole life had wanted to be a veterinarian. I thought I was going to be really? an animal doctor. <laughs> and but then you're in the 11, kid, you yeah. the kid who collected all the strange oh, cats yeah, and dogs. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And you know, yeah. I was really good at you know, math and science in school. And so mm. that was, you know, and I came from a small kind of not, not really rural, but you know, a rural area where like that was really kind of the only thing that, that came about. Um, but then in 11th grade, I, um, shadowed a veterinarian, uh, for a job shadowing program. And as soon as I saw the sight of blood, I fainted. So I decided <laughs> I needed to do something that didn't involve blood. Uh, so it was right around, I was in high school in the, the late nineties and it was right around the time of the dot com boom. And I got internet when I was 16. And for me being in, you know, rural part of the, the country and, feeling always like I was kind of the geeky outcast and being able to discover really wonderful people through the internet. And like I was on IRC chats and like, you know, old, um, you know, news feeds and other, you know, all the, you know, other cool stuff online. Like I really found like there was the, the computers were such a wonderful way to like connect with others. And I saw how instrumental that was in my kind of teenage years. And yeah. so I'm like, I need to go and computer. So opening up a whole new world. Oh, totally, totally. Worlds. 
So mm. I was sort of grew up in sort of the, the idealistic time mm. of, of, you know, through the growth. You know, we still had dial up internet and, you know, I didn't get it till I was 16. <laughs> but, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> For those so, of you who yeah. are younger, you yeah. may not recognize that as a poor attempt at doing a Absolutely. modem. Yeah. And my parents were like, they had no idea. And I was like, I was like chatting with people all over the world. Like I mm. never had the opportunity mm. to do that in my small town. Um, and like, it was just so eye opening to me that there were other people who were, you know, geeky and, you know, liked, you know, were passionate about different things. And it was just really fun to kind of feel like, you know, I, I could do that through t- technology. So I wanted to like uh, amplify that. And so I decided to major in computer science. Um, and, um, my parents made it clear to me that they had no money to send me to school. So I just went to whatever school in Ohio offered me the best scholarship. <laughs> and that was um, a small regional state school, University of Toledo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I majored in computer science and engineering. And, you know, I loved my classes. Like, I love programming. And then but I would do these internships in industry that felt like not at all the reason why I wanted. You know, I did one at, like, um, it was a... Um, the old digital equipment corp. It was like a computer engineering uh, firm that had like, you know, so I was doing like writing test cases for like um, the alpha processors. And I was doing, I think, uh, quality assurance for a CAD software company. And like, I really, I thought like many times about changing my major. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, I want to like save the world, right? I don't want to necessarily be doing these sorts of things. So um, I ended up... Um, uh, but I really love the idea of internships. And actually, internships are how I paid for school, too. So I would go and do internships. And so my school required three of them. That was one of the other reasons I went there is because it helped me pay for school. And then um, I ended up doing extra ones. And one of the ones I ended up doing was at um, a national research lab, Argonne National Lab, outside of Chicago. Mm. And they were Department of Energy Lab. And that was where I learned about what research was, quote, research. Uh, and that's like, oh, these people are like scientists. I always thought scientists were cool. I had no idea what scientists were. There was no research really happening at my school. And they didn't wear white coats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, I worked on, it was an interesting project. It was doing database work for, um, it was a spent nuclear fuel project, but it felt cool. Like it was like cutting edge and everything. But through that, I actually met other students there that were researchers and they were visiting researchers from other schools. And one of them had done an REU program a re- that's in the U.S. It's a research experiences for undergraduates and she'd done another one of these and she kind of told me about oh you should apply to these and I was like oh that sounds really cool and so I googled I went to google (laughs) this is like I think 2000 uh, and so I went to google it was very new maybe it was even AltaVista I don't remember but it was definitely some early search engine and just like you know research experiences and I came across one at, at UC Berkeley and I was like, this sounds really great. And I uh, went through, I ended up applying, got accepted to it. And then it was to go spend a summer at Berkeley um, doing research. And they said, like, well, what area of computing do you want to do? And I saw on that list, human-computer interaction. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's a thing? Mm. You've got to be kidding me. That sounds amazing. So yeah. what 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 got you excited about well, because I think, you know, I think you, know, you wanted to save yeah, the world. I wanted to save the world. And, you know, I felt like, you know, some of those early internships were, you know, like, you know, maybe this test case I wrote for this processor, maybe somebody would use a computer running that processor to, like, help solve, you know, interesting or, or cure cancer or something like that. It was so far removed. I wanted to see more immediate yeah. impact on people. And when I saw that, that was cool. So I um, ended up working with... Um, 
Oh, sorry. Ended up working with um, uh, Aninde and Jen Mankoff, who were at Berkeley at the time. And, you know, they introduced me to research. They, the whole program was wonderful. They, like, um, helped me. Uh, they, they took, they had us all do a, a training course on, on how to take the GRE, told us all about the grad. GRE. Oh, that's the graduate the... record exam. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the standardized test for graduate schools. What, for entry yeah, into so a PhD that, yeah, program? Yeah, for, for entry to graduate programs uh-huh. in general. So, uh-huh. um, so they, they did like it was so much scaffolding we had like weekly meetings talking about like how do you ask people for letters of recommendation and that was where I discovered I also remember a couple years like oh you know like grad school sounds really cool but like I don't think I can afford it like I was like struggling to pay for for my undergraduate degree but then um Anin told me that like oh no no you don't have to pay for grad school like you get a stipend and they pay for your tuition like what So, so this is interesting. Yeah. When yeah. Did, did your parents go to college? No, no my mom yeah. was a she was a high school English teacher. They yeah. did go to college. Yeah. Um, uh, my mom was a high school English teacher. My yeah. dad um, he had a college degree, but was doing like management for a trucking company. Um, so neither of them had gone to grad school. Mm. But um, so you didn't have anyone. No, you didn't grow uh, up with any of that. No, 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 no. I didn't even know what, what grad school really yeah. was. So, yeah. um, but that was really cool. Mm. And you know, I worked on a project. Um, is actually for the longest time was still my most cited paper. <laughs> and so I worked on a project on heuristic evaluation of ambient displays. Um, and, you know, it was really cool. Got to like build ambient displays and like do an evaluation. And like, I could just fall in love with this idea of like working on cutting edge things. And we did an evaluation and like seeing people use things and being in this community of scholars that were sort of all thinking about this is like, yeah, I just mm. finally felt at home for the first time. And, uh, and Nind and Jen had gone to Georgia Tech and encouraged me to apply there. And yeah, the rest is history. You know, I went to, to Georgia Tech, got my PhD, you know. So did you, you didn't, did, who'd you do your PhD with? Uh, with that? Uh, their former advisor, uh, Gregory Abowd. Uh-huh. Uh, so they recommended that, oh, you gotta go to Georgia Tech and you gotta work with Gregory because he's really great. Um, so that was, that was a really great connection. So, and I was a little skeptical, you know, I'd never been to the South, uh, US yeah. before, but yeah. uh, they were such good mentors. And, I was just gonna say they yeah. just sound like really yeah. generous. Life ch- and life changing. Yeah. So, and, and yeah. it's, it's funny now because, yeah. Um, Anind is now the dean of the information school at the University of Washington. Where you are. Where I am, yeah. And he's probably also been, continued to be a mentor for me mm. and, um, is the one that convinced me that I should probably be a department chair. <laughs> so, mm. so I that wanna, initial mentorship. I want to come yeah. to this. Yes. Yeah. Um, and for your PhD then, did yeah. you pick your topic or was it given yeah, to you? Or so how did that... I, yeah. So that's a great question. Um, so I came to Georgia Tech, um, not really having a strong sense of kind of what I wanted to work on. Um, but you know, I knew I, I was interested in sort of health and I was interested in, in, um, you know, learning a little bit about accessibility and disability. And um, when I got there, um, uh, Gregory had just learned that his second son had been diagnosed with, with autism. And so uh, he was really interested. In, and he'd always been the type of person that really wants to, he called it scratching your own itch. Mm-hmm. And you're know, working on topics that are personally meaningful. And I, because I didn't have like a strong sense, like I need to come in and do X. Like, yeah, I was like, that sounds really awesome, Gregory. I'd like love to work on that. And you know, worked um, on several projects relating to, to autism and technology and ended up going to a, an autism conference where I learned about um, uh, helping parents with developmental screening and tracking that and like kind of end up being kind of my dissertation work beyond that. So, and then just sort of popcorned after that around like, you know, you know the, the um, research questions and future work for my next things and form sort of the next things I wanted to work on. Uh, so yeah. just sort of, it, it evolved. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It, it yeah. Evolved. So, yeah. 
And it's interesting that you can find your niche. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you can still get something to be excited about. And oh, if, for sure. Yeah. If people can see you just yeah. being excited. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Do, what, what do you remember about the PhD time in terms of, you know, what, yeah. what was challenging for you? Good question. So, you know, I came into a lab with, uh, uh, Gregory was a very prolific advisor and he already had 11 students at the time. And when I first got there, he's like, you know, I, my lab's really big. I don't know if I can take on more students. He was also very generous and said, you know, maybe you should work with some more junior faculty who might need students. Um, and, but I kind of knew that I really wanted to work with him, you know, based on, you know, mentorship and things. And so, um, you know, kind of tagged along with some of mm-hmm. his existing grad students, including Jillian Hayes, who's, uh, 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 now at UC Irvine. So she was one year ahead of me in the PhD program and, and tagged along with some of them, you know, volunteered to work on their projects. And then I also got, um, that year I had applied for the National Science Foundation Fellowship and awarded it. And it gave me the freedom to work on anything. He's like, okay, well, if I don't have to fund you, then I guess, you know, I'll work with you. But yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. So, and you, know, I think from grad school, I think I definitely learned about the power of collaboration with others. Um, you know, collaborating with other people, helping other people with their projects, and um, getting other people. Like, it just made it fun, right, to work with other people, even if I didn't necessarily love the topic. Mm-hmm. Just hanging out with people, I love, yeah. made it so much more collaborative. We grew each other's CVs by helping co-author each other's papers. I learned so many about other methods from other students and helping them. And so that's actually one of the pieces of advice I give other graduate students is is to do that because it makes it so much less lonely. I know the PhD can be really lonely sometimes. And you know, through that collaboration, I was able to. So I feel really fortunate that I I had a, I know not everybody has a positive experience in grad Mm. school. Um, But I I also felt like there were definitely times that like, do I really, should I really be here? You know, like, I think, you know, people were coming from, you know, top computing programs and, you know, I came from this rinky dink little, uh, <laughs> state university that, you know, like, and so my programming skills weren't quite up to snuff, I think, compared to others. Uh, so I was like, do I really deserve to be here? Like, I'm, you know, like I've never done anything with like, mm-hmm. you know, this, this type yep. of coding and, yep. you know, had some, some doubts there. And, and I remember, um, uh, kind of early on, you know, spinning my wheels a bit too, right? And sort of thinking through, um, you know, I was supposed to be working on doing some development work on like kind of a prototype we were working on and I was really struggling and like, I think I didn't know really to ask for help right away or like I thought I had to do it on my own. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember Gregory sort of like coming to me and he'll be fine with me sharing this, but, um, it's like, okay, you've been working on this for like three months now. What have you been doing? Like I had nothing to show because I've been like, and I was just like, but I had, I'd already become, it was like the end of my first year. And I remember like being, and he was nice about it, but like, you know, uh, but he, you know, wouldn't go into my lab mates and like, I'm like, I don't know what to do. They're like, oh, that's just Gregory. Don't worry about it. And, you know, they're just having those, those colleagues and, and, and Bill. And then, and that also really taught me about the importance of those support networks too. Right. Um, and that, you know, having people you can go to to like, Am I imagining this or am I, you know, am I okay with this? Because yeah, yeah. it is a whole new thing, isn't it? It is, Especially yeah. you've never done a PhD before. Sure. And if you don't yeah. come from a, a tradition where you've seen other people exactly. going through yeah. it. Yeah, and just knowing that it's normal to spin your wheels yeah. and research a bit yeah. too. Like, you know, with, you know, in undergraduates, it's often like, okay, here's this assignment and this test and, you know, we, uh, you finish by this date and then you're done and you take the final and you're done. And in research, there's lots of meandering paths and, yeah. And which, that, which are almost necessary exactly. to get 
exactly. to find the path exactly. that you're happy to. So, so learning to be around. uncomfortable with, yeah. or learning to be comfortable with, um, being able to set my, not having a set path, yeah. and being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way to say that. Yeah. 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 And the the thing about it's not you know like your supervisor is in your soul. Exactly. You're not totally yeah. reliant yeah. on them. That yeah. you. Yeah. can create really strong, effective peer networks and Absolutely. peer mentoring. It sounded like a lot of peer mentoring as well. For sure, yeah. So he was a very supportive advisor, yeah. gave lots of great advice, but he was busy, right? He had tons of other students he was working with. Um, I wasn't working on a particular grant with him, and so you know, it was, we um, didn't necessarily have any kind of built-in accountability mm-hmm. through a grant. And so, um, but yeah, so more senior students, my cohort, um, non-HCI students, they were like doing, you know, machine learning or other sorts of things and kind of just building people both within my lab, mm-hmm. outside my lab and, and kind of, you know, relying on those, those, those peer networks is, is really great. And what next? So that, that yeah. was a successful yeah. PhD yeah. in the end. You did um, find your path. And, I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you, know, I don't think I came in wanting to be a professor. Like mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to do research and I was really excited about, you know, being a quote scientist again, it was sort of like the, the term I learned as a kid of what this was. Um, I don't know if I necessarily want to be, I did uh, do two teaching assistant roles and I really enjoyed that. I TA'd for Jim Foley, which was really fun. Um, and he taught an HCI class and, you know, he was like, you know, like, Oh, you like, you should like actually try and teach a class. I think you'd be good at it. Um, so I did, I cut, prepared a couple lectures and, and, you know, he kind of was really encouraging in that space. Um, so yeah, I thought, you know, it'd be, you know, and I also did, um, I mentored a lot of like masters and undergraduate students too. So I got really great mentorship when I was, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh an undergraduate and I kind of wanted to pay that for yeah. 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 And, and so kind of getting that support and supporting others. And so I really liked mentoring and that was where I sort of like, Hey, this is really fun. And like, you know, um, some of the master students I mentored went on to other PhD programs mm-hmm. and we published papers together and, and, you know, they're, you know, got their PhDs. Yeah. And so it was really fun to sort of be, you know, um, seeing how much mentorship meant for me and sort of being able to do that for others. And I was like, and so that's when talking to about life paths, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like what a professor does. So, oh, so you, that, yeah, you did come to the point. I did of come to the point of that. Yeah. That like, well, and right. I also, I'd spent some time in industry with those internships and mm. like, you know, I knew I didn't really want to mm. go to industry at the time. Mm. And you know, this was at the time where there were actually still really strong, industry research labs, you know, the, the Intel labs were still around and, you know, uh, Microsoft research is doing lots of cool stuff. Um, and so that was a, that was a, I was, I kept that as a, as a possibility as well too, but, but yeah. Um, but I want to be able to mentor students cause I was having a good time with that. So, yeah. So, um, fell in love with a, a lab mate <laughs> and we did a job search together and you know both and how was that process um, how did you negotiate oh it's what, a, what does doing it doing a job search together yeah mean? well that's a good question so um and this is sort of advice that I tell other students too when they're they're applying for jobs is um you could be picky about one thing on your job search, right? And so our one thing was that we wanted to find positions together. Mm-hmm. And so that meant we had to be really wide open, open to different living anywhere, open to, you know, like different types of positions, open to industry positions. So we did a really broad, broad job search and, and applied to, to anything and everything open that year. We applied really broadly. So we, we submitted 50 applications to, to jobs that year. That so, is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a lot of work. And- how many of those resulted in yeah, getting called for interviews? Yeah, question. And so I think we 
I, I got interviews at six places and offers from three places. So, and, you know, the, the University of Washington, where we both ended up, um, you know, ended up being a place where I interviewed and, you know, we were semi open about the fact that we were a couple, but like, you know, Washington was in Seattle, which had other opportunities, you know, Microsoft yeah. didn't tell and stuff yeah. were there. So we were open. We didn't necessarily say that we needed to kind of be, you know, there together, but, um, interviewed, um, uh, there and you made it to like, you know, um, the top finalists, but didn't initially get the, the offer, right? Uh-huh. And my husband did though. And, but some behind the scenes work from some very supportive people there ended up deciding that, you know, because I, I'd really done well in the interview, but they, yeah. you know, and, and this is another advice for grad, any grad students listening that there's so many things that are outside of the control of, and, you know, the person they made the offer to, who was equally wonderful, and I know them really well, I won't say who that is, um, you know, was incredible and, you know, was in an area that they needed more. And mm. so, yeah, but behind the scenes work really helped in, in advocating yeah. for, um, you know, create, the creation of a second position. And so, oh, so, so yeah. someone yeah. else yeah. did get employed and yeah. they did an yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and we're able to, to get some funds and support to, to do the second position. So it was a little bit, you know, and I say this a lot to students on the job market, like it's hard that, that's probably that's, that. that sounds like a huge amount of work and incredibly yeah. stressful. Well, and also I think when I learned that I didn't get the offer at UW, like that, the initial offer at UW, like I was just devastated because like, you know, it didn't matter that, you know, there may be a hundred people who applied to the job and I was like in the top four. Cause most mm. things in, most things in, in research, like, you know, Kai has a 25% acceptance rate. So you just yeah. have to be in that top 25% yeah. or awards or other sorts of things like that. Yeah. But this is like, there's like one, there's one position. And so that's really, it didn't, yeah. So it was, it was, it was in, in the uncertainty of it, it was really stressful. And, and, you know, I think despite, you know, having a lot of strong support system, that was definitely the, the hardest part of, mm-hmm. of that was, was that whole process. So. But again, through really strong advocacy and support from people who, you know, I guess saw something in me, uh, you know, made it happen. And, you know, I think I felt like a little bit like, am I cheating the system a little bit? Cause, you know, we were a couple and did I, like, would I have ended up here if not for my partner? I don't know. <laughs> right. So there's always a little bit of that self doubt. Mm. And then I think it was, it was after a couple of years that someone said to me that, like, you know, um, and it was, I think, now that I know around how much goes into faculty searches and, and other sorts of things and how much is, you know, completely at the whim of, like, who's hiring and who's uh, the, the say, politics. It's sort of like review yeah, it too yeah. with They're like, papers. other people nice. get other advantages and take them. Mm. And you had an advantage that you could yeah. see and you took it. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? And so take any advantage. And, you know, it's the same thing when people feel like maybe they get a diversity fellowship, right? Like, I only got the support because, you know, I'm a person of color, I'm a woman, or yeah. I have a disability. And they feel almost, like, guilty that, like... And I talk with other people who had that. And, like, but you're already coming from this place of, like you know, needing yeah. that support. And it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to get that support. Yeah. yeah. So other people are taking advantage of things. You should too. <laughs> but it was a process for you yeah, to, it was to, 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 to settle, to accept, to settle that, to accept that. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I think it's curious yeah. as well. Like you didn't, you know, the, the agreeing on it had to be in the same place. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, we didn't want to try and do a distance thing. Yeah. yeah, but we were open to to different. You know, um, you. Know, I think and, and we we talked to 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 Utah about other roles and things. And you know, I think 
they because I'd done so well in the interview, and they I think they kind of used that as a, a scheme to like, hey, we got this like you know they're they're a power couple. <laughs> <laughs> we should bring them both. It would be awesome. And this was right at the start that UW was starting to build up a coalition of HCI researchers, and so they saw this as a way to bring in two people. Yeah. So yeah, so <laughs> and I have no regrets. So <laughs> if you didn't. You know, I don't know, in a parallel universe, mm-hmm. um, and you didn't have a partner where yeah. you're both trying to get to the same place, what do you think would have been your criteria for a job search? Oh, then? good question. Um, you know, I think going to a place where I could you know, work with really wonderful students, mm-hmm. right? You know, I think that was mm-hmm. sort of my, my main criteria. Um, and a place where I think also a place where I wouldn't be the only HCI person like trying to start that up in like a more traditional computer yeah. science department because I'd been in a more traditional computer science department yeah. and I wasn't sure if I had the energy to I sort know, of I'm like just, I'm already educate. feeling tired yeah. thinking about <laughs> so, the so yeah so so places mm. that maybe. So I also think that's interesting because in other circumstances, like you'd hang on, well, I would <laughs> yeah. hang on really tightly to, I have to have this other criteria. Right, but right. Now, yeah, I was open-minded. Now yeah. this criteria yeah. is less important because mm-hmm. something else takes priority. Yeah, and- I think given that I grew up in sort of a rural area, I mm. think I also had the criteria of like, I'd like to be in a city. <laughs> so I had some other criteria, you know, the mm. one, you can only be yeah. picky about one thing. Yeah. Um, although there was some really cute mm. college towns that I interviewed in that I could see myself living there, yeah. but you know. Do you have any reflections on, you know, going to a new faculty, new department oh, gosh, as a, yeah, as a couple? A whole, yeah. Like, and especially. Well, we ended up in different departments. Oh, that's so right. that was, that helpful. was, yeah, that actually helped. And I know other couples who've gone to the same department, mm. there's sort of tricky things to navigate yeah, there. I was just curious. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, we ended up being in, in different departments, but you know, I still definitely got the like, Hey, like text message from people is like, Hey, can you tell your husband to like, you know, <laughs> answer my email? I'm like, I'm not a secretary, you know, Good some idea. of those things. Yeah. 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 So, um, mm. so you, yeah, definitely ran into some of those things, but you, and you know, we had collaborated in grad school and we kind of did too, but I think once we fell into the thick of like the assistant professor life mm. and how uh, much work there was, uh, we decided that like, you know, and he would like review my papers before and like, or like, Hey, can you look at my grant application? But like, we just realized we were creating more work for each other. <laughs> and so we decided like, you know what? <laughs> like, oh, so I'm you gonna... don't do that um, so much. We do sometimes still. Yeah. Like if I don't, I, we have a rule that like, we'll ask other people first. And if we really need it, then we'll, we'll, we'll oh, ask them. Nice. So, yeah. Because so yeah. On yeah. the surface, I would think, oh, it's great that you got someone who yeah. knows the context and know the rules mm-hmm. of the game and yeah. can give all the advice. Yeah. But it is asking additional work. It is. It's, work. it's asking work. And if he's doing that work for me, then we're not able to, you know, do the other stuff we then, like to do yeah, as a couple. Then it's taking also away from personal exactly. yeah. time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that sounds like a little bit of a journey in yeah, working that, yeah, working that, out that how transition. to play that. Yeah. No, I went straight from my PhD to an assistant professor role and that was, so now my, my advice to, to people doing that is just like first year is all about survival, right? So many things you have to learn in that first year. You know, going from, you know, senior student, uh, at Georgia Tech and knowing, I know how to write an IRB. Mm-hmm. That's our ethics uh, board approval in the U.S. I know how to, to go at reimbursements for things. I know how to like, when I go to a conference, I know what to do. I know who to talk to and the staff and then going to a whole new place and like, Okay, gotta learn all that again. And I gotta learn, like, how to teach a real class. Yeah. I know I gotta learn their, like, content. So I don't even know all the courses in the department. I gotta learn all these people. How, how do I write a letter of recommendation? Like, someone asked me for that. And you know, all the things that you have to learn as an assistant yeah. professor. And, you know, I was such a, like, 
you know, as a student, when, when you get asked to do things like service or paper reviews, you're so flattered, right? Like, oh, you want me to review a paper? <laughs> of course. And I still had that mentality in my first year. Uh-huh. In the outside world, I became in- infinitely more qualified once I got my PhD. Um, so they, the asks went up like way more. Uh, and so like I got asked to be on like a whole bunch of program committees and I don't, didn't know how much work that was. <laughs> I was like, sure. Yeah. I'd love to. And then before I knew it, I was like reviewing like 70 papers that year. <gasps> I was like, nope. Uh, so my whole first year was uh, also like the first year I, um, learned the hard way about, um, uh, the, oh, at Georgia Tech, like, uh, our ethics board approval was all digital, but at, at the University of Washington was still on paper. Like you have to like physically mail things. And I remember my first application, um, there was a checkbox that said, like, check here if you would like this to be considered minimal risk. I missed that checkbox, submitted it, and went to a full board oh, review. No. It took, like, six <laughs> months. And I remember, like, crying, like, I'm never going to get any research done if it takes six months to do my first study. Uh, and then I learned, you know, oh, if I just check the box, it's a lot easier. So making all those mistakes mm, and giving yeah. myself grace to, to learn from those mistakes was, was important. And you survived your first year. I did, yeah, yeah. Although but it sounds I, like yeah. it was it, it was, was rough. Tough. It was rough, and I think yeah, um, teaching was really hard and took a lot more time not knowing what I was doing. You know, I think, you know, I was like, oh, a lecture is just giving a talk, and I know how to give talks, and so I was like, per- like rehearsing my slides and like doing all PowerPoint and all these sorts of things. And my students were very kind, and you know, like. She means well, but death by PowerPoint. <laughs> uh, and also just, you know, I had sort of these things around, you know, my very first class was a web design class and like I'd been on group projects as a, as a student. Like I know how much people slack off on group projects sometimes mm-hmm. and one person does all the work. And I want everyone to come from this class knowing how to like design and build a website. So individual projects. And then the first deliverable came in and I realized how much grading that was. I know. And like, yeah. oh, that's why they all do two <laughs> projects. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're all so, the yeah. little things. Yeah, exactly. All these uh, little yeah, things that you yeah, have to learn, learn the hard way. Did they, did you get a mentor allocated? I to did, help? yeah, yeah. Um, and then I didn't know how to use them effectively right away. Um, you know, like I should have just, you know, for example, when I got invited to do all those things and I didn't know how much work it was. So then it was really great. I had two really wonderful mentors and they're, they're still in my department, still really wonderful mentors that I can talk about later. But, um, then I would start to forward all the service requests to them and say, like, should I do this? And that, like, 90% of the time, like, mm, you don't need to do that or like, you need, you know, it's okay if you don't want to do that. Um, so they kind of taught me about like kind of being, being selective about like, you know, making sure I'm doing the things that will, that I, you enjoy and I'm and this is something I've developed over the years but you know I really love doing service and I kind of get into the point where you know I did have a hard time saying no but I've learned around but I, I learned that that will yeah that first year when I was doing all those reviews and uh, all those program committees and uh, so much time I learned that like okay I can't do it all so kind of have developed this framework over the years of mm-hmm. um, you know um, will I have fun doing it you know that's you know mm-hmm. a, a criteria will um, I learn something from it mm-hmm. and so program committees I learned a ton so it was really awesome to see kind of the behind the scenes there and then also am I uniquely qualified to do this too and yeah. so this is something I've carried forward with me when deciding to do things so is there something about my skill set in particular that I think would make me particularly good yeah. for this and so I kind of apply that criteria for, for kind of you know so that's something I've developed over do you just too. do it in your head? I do, yeah. Oh, no, I don't like a, yeah, you know, no. a scale. It's, a, it's an informal thing. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. But, but you know, it's helpful because, like, you you have got invited to give a, a talk to some students at a um, 
it was a small community college on like, you know, just leadership. And, and, you know, I think they were asking specifically around kind of things like work-life balance and things mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, like I have fun doing those sorts of things. I always learn something when I do things yeah. like that. I learn, it makes me reflect yeah, on my own exactly. practices. And then when I have fun doing it, yeah, I always have fun yeah. doing that. And, and you know, I think I'm somewhat uniquely qualified to do that because I do feel like, you know, I, I've been trying to do a really good job of trying to, to sort of learn to set boundaries and, so then, any any more? You know, can you say any more about that? What you've learned mm-hmm. about setting boundaries? Well, becoming a parent definitely helped with that. <laughs> <laughs> I have two kiddos. Uh, um, they're six and nine now. Oh, very um, cute. And I had my daughter when I was still an assistant professor. It was my fourth year of being an assistant professor. And and assistant is pre right pre tenure. Okay. Yeah, so pre tenure in the U.S. Um, and you, had, I knew at that time I was like, this is going to change everything, um, and. When I started at the University of Washington, as a nature of my like you know um, you know uh, dual hire situation, I was actually joint between two departments, and that was a lot. And you know, I think that was where I was like, something's got to give because like I already feel like I'm working at all maximum, and, mm. and adding a baby to this mix mm. is going to be. So I made the request of to the chair of the the department that I you um, I'm in now, human centered design and engineering. Um, that I felt kind of like the, the courses that I was teaching were sort of really in line with what I wanted to do and, and kind of the community I was building there was really strong. Um, and so I, I kind of made the ask of like, would it be possible to be a hundred percent? And you know, she made it happen. And so, yes. so I was able to kind of like, you know, sit and, and that was immensely helpful. Was that, yeah. was it hard to ask? Like it was right. Well, I kind of, you know, and I, d- I didn't come from a, like, I need this kind of thing. I just like, what's the possibility that's happening? Cause you know, and she'd kind of alluded to me at, at, uh, at one point that like, she would have been happy to have me. And you know, at the time mm-hmm. I wanted sort of the, the two roles because like, you know, at the time the, the department I'm in was still just growing its PhD program. And remember my criteria around mm-hmm. wanting to go to a place with, with, you know, like students. students that are, yeah. Yep. So, um, so, and, but that was all changing because we, we it used to be a technical communication department had just changed to human centered design and engineering at the time I started. And we were starting to get the, 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 the types of students that were the right fit for me at that time. So, um, so I kind of, is this possible? And she's like, let me see what I can find out. Uh, and sure enough, mm. you know, I'm working that it's way. Just, I mean, it's, it's yeah. an important thing to recognize mm-hmm. yeah. your own needs, yeah, isn't it? For sure. And, for sure. and to think about what might be possible mm-hmm. solutions. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like kind of just going on the, the parenting thing of just um, now that my kids are a little bit older, you know, they, you know, and, and my kids were in, in daycare, you know, with two working professors. <laughs> we needed full-time childcare. And, you know, if you didn't pick up your kid by like the closing time, they charge you something like $5 a minute. <laughs> so you had incentive. <laughs> exactly. I had a deadline and I'm very deadline driven as, as it is. And so like each day, like I like, okay, I have to stop working at this time. And you know, did it change it your did. working it did. practices? Yeah, like- I had to be much more, um, focused during the day because I knew I only had the time mm. that my kids were in childcare mm. to get the work done. And, and it showed me that you can get a lot done if you can do that. And, you know, I still meander. And <laughs> yeah. But what, what did you lose? What did I lose? In, in doing um, that? You know, I think I lost some of the kind of like spontaneous sort of like, um, you know, I had to sort of set more office hours for students. Like it mm-hmm. used to be like I would have like Open out, door. office hours by appointment, yeah. meet with me yeah, anytime. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I, then I also learned that's why often professors will have office hours that are set time. And I would filter all the students to that one, one set time. Um, I switched from one hour meetings with my PhD students to half hour meetings. 
that was a big change. Uh, and I also switched to, you know, I was very hands-on when I first started, and I also switched to sort of being more mm-hmm. of a manager and less hands-on um, with, with some of the direct data collection. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of other shifts I think I had to make, too. Yeah. Were they hard to make? Oh, for or sure, yeah. yeah. No, okay. especially, like, remember I wanted to see the direct impact on people, right? And so I did still make it a point. So rather than going to every interview or every user study, I would try to go to one or two. And so I found that balance of like still having my hands in a little yeah. bit, but not doing all of it. Still knowing what you needed to exactly. get that exactly. um, little yeah. burst of joy or fill up exactly. or whatever. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So that that was a good compromise to sort of help me. I also gave up coding things, right, develop, you know, I learned like keeping up on the latest and greatest technology. Did you like coding? You know, I did, but like... I, it's one of those things that like you just needed to kind of find the time to do, mm. and it wasn't my strongest. Remember, I didn't. Yeah. Miss, like, it, yeah. Anyway, I did it more in grad school, but like I stopped sort of like pretending that I was a good developer. Yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah. Yeah. So, so giving up kind so of. In yeah. terms of your cr- criteria, there are yeah. other people who can be exactly, equally or exactly. better. And my students were definitely better at it than me. So, um, but it, it was nice because I knew enough about coding to know it was hard and have conversations with it, but I didn't have to directly yeah. do it myself. So, yeah. yeah. So reshaping mm-hmm. of your work. So you're still sure. delivering to the same things yes, in a way, yes. but a reshaping mm-hmm. of how you... Yeah, and recognizing also that um, I don't have to do it all too, right? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> and that also that, that letting people do things on their own is yeah. empowering for them, right? Yeah. And you, know, I think... Um, you know, some of my, my early students, I took a, a much more heavy handed role in writing papers together, right? And probably in a way that maybe was more than they needed and they didn't quite practice that skill as much as they, they could have. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> then by necessity of like not having the time to sort of like, you know, do all that yeah. in depth writing, like, yeah. you know, up late working towards a deadline. They naturally learn to do that on their own. And so it was actually ended up being a more a bit, effective yeah, strategy for, for sure. developing the yeah. students, which is what you want exactly. to do. Yeah, yeah. And I have a similar orientation around parenting as well, too, right? You know, if you do things for your children, they don't learn to do it themselves, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a lot of parallels to, to mentoring and, and parenting, but I, I don't know <laughs> if we want to go down that, that rabbit hole. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, so sort of just recognizing that, like, by by giving people and, and giving people the autonomy to do things too, right? We talk about like what the goal is. Mm-hmm. We give some advice on how to get there. Um, so you, yeah, yeah, giving some support structures. Exactly. And yeah, yeah. Giving some guardrails and yep. yeah, target yep. them, but letting them do and they do yep. things that I would have never done it my yeah. way, but they're better than what yeah. I would have done. Indeed. And and trusting that the students can and you know and, and tell them if they need me, I'm here. But you know, try it on your own first. Mm. Um, was was it hard to let go? A little bit, yeah. Um, yeah, I think there were papers that maybe we could have gotten accepted if I'd sort of like yeah. spent more time on it. And but you know, it's in the greater in the scheme. Gre- yeah, in the greater scheme, yeah, it was mm. definitely a, mm. a good good win there. Mm. So you you are now head of depart yeah. de- departmental head, yes, uh, or chair. <laughs> yeah, department chair. Yeah. How did how did that come about? So you because you've gone from <laughs> yeah. you know, small town, yeah. you know, sort yeah. of college yeah. kid. Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of interesting. And that's where we'll leave it for part one. So you'll need to keep an eye open for part two to find out what was really interesting about the way in which Julie got to be head of department, department chair, it's a different language, different countries, and uh, the lessons that she's learned in how to be a good academic leader. 
There are so many things I loved about Julie's story that we heard here. And what I thought was particularly interesting was how you could hear her grow in confidence and the personal journey beside the professional journey of each step, academic step. And I'm curious about what struck you in that journey. What might be your takeaways? For me, it reminded me that little small things I can do as a mentor could be really life-changing. And the thought that someone might describe some uh, interaction that I might have had with them as a mentor as life-changing would be really pretty amazing. And I also liked the reminder that I need often that I can't do it all. And I thought Julie was very good at doing, just laying out those sorts of trade-offs and how we make those sorts of decisions. So look out for the next podcast release and we'll pick up on part two. I'll also put a pointer in the web page to a previous podcast conversation with Jen Menkoff. Jen was one of the really great mentors that Julie mentioned. So you may be interested in listening to Jen talking about her story as well. You can find the summary notes, a transcript and related links for this podcast on www.changingacademiclife.com. You can also subscribe to Changing Academic Life on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And you can follow Change Acad Life on Twitter. And I'm really hoping that we can widen the conversation about how we can do academia differently. And you can contribute to this by rating the podcast and also giving feedback And if something connected with you, please consider sharing this podcast with your colleagues. Together, we can make change happen.